Hey, I'm Ramel London. I'm a TV and radio presenter, and I want to welcome you to the Mainstream Podcast. Today, I have the absolute pleasure of speaking to an actor, writer, and all-round vibe maker <laughs> who has found his calling entertaining the masses on every level. He's a best-selling author with the number one picture book from a debut author and illustrator in 2019. He was on the Sunday Times bestseller list and won the overall Waterstones Children's Book Prize in 2020. Come on. He's carved his name into children's TV royalty, working on BAFTA award-winning shows like Washbuckle and a personal favourite of mine, Rustamuffs, um, <laughs> just to name a few. And he got us through puberty <laughs> with some girls on BBC Three. And your nan probably loves him as well as Joey from ITV's Benidorm. I'm with the Afro funder himself, Nathan Bryan! That intro probably made me smile. Thank you so much. No worries, man. And Nathan, welcome to the mainstream. Thank you for having me. I listen and I'm a huge fan of you. So uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. No, that means a lot. That means a lot. So we're going to go into your journey, your 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 career, all the kind of fun bits that we talked about here in the intro. Um, so you're born and raised in West London, right? Yeah, I'm from Bush. I'm Come Bush. On. I grew up in Bush. I love Shepherd's Bush. I call myself the official slash unofficial mayor of Shepherd's Bush because obviously there ain't a mayor of Bush. But if there was, it's me. Love that. Love yeah. that. Apart um, from that guy on, was it like? Can you swear? No, yeah, swearing. go for it, go for it. Well, that guy on Instagram who takes a piss out of people from West London. Oh, that guy. <laughs> I'm sorry, bro. He's ruining you. He lot. ruins me, but the unfortunate truth is that is me as well. So his impression of West Hello, London goes, hi. hi, that is me. So I'm annoyed, but I'm like, it's accurate. Fair, fair. I mean, when I think of West London, I think of fun, vibes. Uh, Carnival. I mean, okay, I couldn't, I couldn't not say it. The biggest vibe of vibes. Exactly. Full stop. Exactly. He's banned from Carnival. <laughs> Not personally by oh, me, no. but by the whole of West London. Oh, no. <laughs> but no, West is just a vibe in general. It's a cultural and creative hit hub as well, yes. which is just like, when I realised you was from West London, I was like, ah, oh, makes sense. It, so uh, tell us a little bit about the early years. What was young Nathan like? I think young Nathan as a creative was about trying everything. Okay. And when I say like, once I realised that this was a career... I don't know why, because I'm quite, I can be quite nervous and shy, but like, I wanted to try everything. I, I joined a choir. I can't <laughs> sing. Um, I love that. I, le I learned poetry, learned like to write poetry with um, Dina and Diana Roger. Um, I learned how to try and um, write plays with Simon Stevens and Bola Abadje. I, like, I tried stand up, which was. Oh, I had one of the best gigs of my life and then the worst gig of my life. I, you name it? a thing, I tried it to see if my toe felt good there. You know what I'm saying? I love that. I love that though, because I'm very DIY. Just do it yourself, try it, see what happens. But that's the only way you'll learn, right? So yeah. like, I would never have known stand-up necessarily wasn't for me until <laughs> I'd done a 10-week course and did two gigs and was like, screw <laughs> Never this mind. Ain't for me. This ain't for me. But you need to. I think there shouldn't. And I'm still trying new stuff now. Do you know okay. what I mean? Like, like I want to know if like I I walked into a get um a board game shop the other day. You know board games like there's more board games than Monopoly. You know like but, what? There's an actual shop for board games. Like nerdy board games. Like like you know, weird little games that you've never heard of. Fair. I, I just I, know Argos. This is what I'm saying. That's what I just knew. But where I've just moved to in Manchester, there's like some nerdy board game shop, which is lit. And I walked in and I was like, bro, look at all these games. I was like, 
Maybe I'll try and make a board game. Like I, st- oh, I wow. have no, I have, I have no shame in failing trying something new, which I'm proud of for now. That is a message right there. Yeah, but I fail all the time. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I'm not saying I'm good at these things. I'm saying I would try them and it doesn't matter what happens next. That's fair. That's fair. I respect that. Well, I, I know one thing that you actually really excelled at is theatre. Yeah. Um, you are a proud lyric theatre alumni. Yes. Uh, so tell us a little bit about when you first touched the stage. Because like, did you know that actually I feel like this could be a career for me? Uh, the lyric was the first building that inspired me creatively to even try any of those things. So all those things I said about like poetry, theater, choir, all them things there, I tried at the lyric. That was the place I tried it. And that building, uh, was so important in my formative years because, um, I was surrounded by older creatives who told you from young that you can do anything this is your thing try whatever it is so like I was 16 and I don't know how on earth like I must have done some youth theatre play that was incredible it was like a four-week thing they weren't paying us yeah they were paying us literally in like KFC vouchers but when you're 16 (laughs) KFC vouchers it was it was like this is this is riches and I met like all the homies I'm still friends with now and we worked with some of the best most incredible theatre artists from around the world on a play and we put it on at the end of this four weeks and it was just like I don't know that hit of just like performing to people and this full production like set music everything and that kind of gave me the bug and then from there the building just carried on supporting me maybe just because i wasn't leaving (laughs) it was a thing of like when's this boy gonna leave but literally by 16 i got a job as an usher so i was watching shows every day because i was after school i was just going there and then they asked me to be an artistic associate or interview and them things there so it's just like i was just up in the building and i was not leaving until i just taking everything from the building so that building is my heart oh that's good that's good it's funny you mentioned that because um i spoke to heart fm presenter dev on the mainstream as well Mm. and he said how important it was for him to go to like you know theater school Mm. theater club you know drama club and all that kind of stuff because it built him really good confidence yeah so did you have a similar thing as well like was was this environment at lyric just like a new place for you to find yourself yeah it was a complete place to find myself in school like i done a bit of drama in school and it was okay but i think school can only teach you so much and when you're like i'm the sort of person when i'm interested in something i want to absorb my whole world in it i want to know everything i'm a nerd like i'm a nerd so the lyric kind of meant that i could obsess with this place so i was at like, listen, Lashana just won a BAFTA. Oh, Let's round applause for her, yeah. Round of applause. The so icon, proud. the queen, the don. So but, like, proud. Lashana was in the lyric with me back a day, 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 what? directing some of my tiny little stupid 15-minute plays. Oh, my like, gosh. that building has seen so many amazing talents kind of just, you know, come through it. It was, yeah. It was lit. So, long story short, yeah, it, it helped my confidence loads because, naturally, I'm quite... I, I don't sound quiet now, but uh, <laughs> but I am quiet. And that building gave helped me find a voice for sure. That's amazing. I love that. And uh, yeah, I loved going to drama clubs and all that kind of stuff. So mm. it makes sense, you know, why and how it can transform your life in that way, which is Absolutely. amazing. Um, that's made me think. I don't hear that many kids screaming about theatre and drama school as much. Like everyone's 
obsessed with YouTube, TikTok and all these other digital platforms. So do you still feel like, you know, kids should try and venture out to these drama schools and theatre clubs? Or do you feel like it's a thing in the past? We should maybe just accept that digital is king right now. No, I think art is art right so you should try everything is what i'm saying so youtube is just as important as theater none is no none holds a a heavier weight and i think the reason why young people talk so much about youtube with such a passion is that it's accessible yeah youtube is there anybody can make it everybody has a phone to some degree or or some device on their laptop to record on and we mustn't poo poo that that should be championed i think theater is elitist that is fact it yeah. costs money to go to the theater it costs too much money to go to the theater and i understand we've been through uh, covid so theaters are under pressure as well so it is a big you know cyclical circle mm-hmm. but i think uh i think yeah i would always encourage young people to try and go to theater as much as possible and to do that i think it's if they don't have money, like I didn't at that time, it's important to find youth theatre. Yep. Uh, like the Lyric Hammersmith. Um, they've got a youth theatre, the National Theatre, I think, have a youth theatre. And there's really amazing uh, things like the Black Ticket Project uh, for young black people who will pay for you to go to shows at the National and stuff like that. Uh, so if you don't have money, there's often schemes that can get you in theatre to watch shows and places like the Royal Court have a young writers group or... They do um, uh, a £10 ticket thing. So, yeah, I think try and just uh, try and look as much as you can to try and get involved in theatre. But they're all just as important as each other and we should enjoy all of it is what I'm saying. Totally agree. I mean, I love going to the theatre. It's lit. It's lit. When it's lit, it's lit. When it's dead, it's dead as well. And that's fine. That's fine. Sometimes I've been in the theatre and it's three and a half hours and I'm like, who gave a goddamn about that? (laughs) And I have to get a train home. But then sometimes it's life affirming and I'm shedding tears and I'm like, wow, praise be that I'm here. So, you know. (laughs) Fair enough, fair enough. Well, I mean, okay, I've got a question because it it was actually quite hard to research you, if I'm honest. Oh, yeah, someone else has said that. It is quite hard. I mean, we all know what you do now, Mm. but what was your actual first on-screen moment? My first on-screen... Oh, well, my first ever on screen was like a reconstruction. It was like a- You're not talking about um, Crime crime Watch. Watch. Listen, I'll tell you, I will tell you, it wasn't Crime Watch, but I got, so, because my parents aren't from theater world yet. So I decided when I was like 17, I wanted to be an actor, but I had no way in apart from Google was my friend. Fair. So I just Googled how to become an actor, came up with Join Spotlight, it came up with, uh, agents and I did it all. I did wow. it with my school printer and I made a CV. I got my ex girlfriend's mum to um, print off. She worked at the local hospital, print off all the CVs, and my oh mum took some dead headshots. <laughs> dead, like I look like really, anyway, um, <laughs> dead headshots. And we just put it together and I used my money as an usher to send out all these CVs, blah, blah, wow. blah. And uh, one person got back. Anyway, she sent me one. Well, so I did get offered a role on Crime Watch, yeah. Because oh this is day, this is before like this was remember, this is all when people were being like equality on TV. This was like <laughs> way before then. I'm 30 now, so this is when people were just like, you're gonna mug this girl on this show. Oh god. But I thought when I got offered that role at Crime Watch, I thought that was it. I thought that was like you thought you were gonna blow. But well, I, I mean, it was a thing where my mum or maybe I auditioned for it. I don't wanna lie, maybe I auditioned for it and my mum said, You're not gonna do that. 
Thanks, my mum. My mum's really. My mum's with it. Like she's. She was just always like, no, because. And the truth is, with people who do shows like Crime Watch, if they see you on the bus the next day, you know the person who like reconstructs as a pedo on Crime Watch, yeah. And then he goes to the, the on the bus. Everyone's like, "Yo, you're that pedo." Bro. That's him. Yeah. yeah. Well, so obviously that could never be me. Yeah. <laughs> so my first actual role that I did was a reconstruction where I played. Um, I played lol. I just did a reconstruction about this boy who got hit by lightning. But that got me. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was like it wasn't on Crime Watch. It was like a one of those like you know. 999 oh my oh i did love that yeah it was lit i did love that and that was like for me that was when i was hooked and i was like this career i need to just do whatever it takes to do more of this but that show i thought was like hollywood and hey hey (laughs) it weren't (laughs) i respect it though you were like hey i'm on tv guys listen i always thought i was hannah montana from young (laughs) y'all i always school times i was always big dreams big dreams amazing that's beautiful well we did in fact see you on our screens eventually yeah not in crime watch (laughs) on bbc Three's some girls how did that role come about um i think that was um it was just an audition really and i turned up did it forgot about it and i was really lucky that i only had to do one and they called me back and it was you know it was a it was a amazing part and i got to work with so many amazing incredible people yep. on an amazing show yep. and colin salmon who played my dad on the show is still like a father figure in wow. my life who i love very dearly and mandeep dylan and adeleo and yep. just so many people in that show that i still i'm you know i love and that show is something that like i play a very small part on but i'm forever forever proud of yeah of course i mean some girls was massive it was it was it was because it was before like twitter really yeah it really was it really was and it was very like um we had mandeep on on the mainstream as well and and she basically was saying she felt like it was before its time it was before its time because you haven't seen that show again yet really nothing like girls is the closest you're gonna get and that's an incredible show yeah but remember we're talking 15 Maybe 10 years ago, 15 years yeah, ago. Yeah, like mid naughty, like, early noughties kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, do you know yeah. what I mean? So like we were, you know, we were we were ahead of the time. And Definitely. all of those actresses and actors in that show are now super, superstars. So I think, you know, that's always good. And, and you was like in your early 20s around that time, right? Yeah, yeah, I was. Yeah, yeah. I was like, wait, yeah. I was in my early 20s, yeah. W- was you gassed? Like, let's be honest. Was you actually gassed that you was a part of it and like... You know, it was a big youth-based show, especially. So were young people coming up to you and being like, oh, I know you. Yeah, they yeah, they are. They were. And it's really nice. But I think I think every young actor will tell you that I don't um, maybe it's my personality, but I don't I don't maybe I'm too I get humbled a lot. So there's oh. no way where it, uh, it, would, it doesn't I don't know. It doesn't I don't know. I don't have to You didn't you didn't like take advantage of it basically i mean advantage in the sense of like what really that show helped me lead in my writing career because it meant i met producers who i gave scripts to and i told everyone i wanted to write so that started it but like yeah i wasn't like out partying being like hey i'm the little brother who wanks a lot in some girls (laughs) i didn't do that (laughs) that wasn't my go-to line (laughs) i get that yeah yeah fair i was just humbled i was just starstruck to be on tv yeah and I was humbled. It was sick, and but I knew that, like, my, I don't know, my head's my head. Yeah, it was just sick. That's fair. That's fair. No, I respect that. I respect that totally. Um, and then you completely flipped it, <laughs> like Middle England got yeah. to meet you. Yeah, 
in Benidorm. Like yeah. it's completely different audience, different age group. You know, like I said, people's nans probably know of you a little yeah. bit more. So did you feel that shift in in the type of you know I guess people that were exposed to you yeah man i mean benidorm was one of the best jobs i ever had i got to live in spain for pretty much three years over you know i was there for six months a year for three years wow. that was incredible and i think the audience is amazing and it also opened my eyes to um the tv industry and how important it is to have shows that don't aren't all london centric yes. it's the same with new york in america like we have to have shows that represent our country and represent everyone and yep. you know i think benidorm is uh, is amazing because you know when i go my girlfriend's from doncaster when i go to doncaster people know it when i go to newcastle people know it. when i go to edinburgh people know yep. it london's one of the only pe places where people necessarily haven't uh, watched it as much yeah, but fair. when I say around the country that show is loved and it done numbers 100%. like 100% numbers done awards so it, it that show was like oh, to be in it was a complete joy that's sick man that and the sick. fact that you were living your best life in Spain as honestly well. living my best life getting paid properly for the not paid properly but I was earning bank it was that's, sick oh that's good yeah and that was the first time where I started earning money where I was like wow like this is TV money, like really? regular money, which I didn't know was a thing. So, really? Yeah, because obviously, like, some girls, like, I think I'm doing that show for, like, maybe my part's small, so I'm right. doing it for, like, I don't know, filming for, like, a week or something. But Benidorm, I'm on it for six months a year. Fair. Do you know what I'm saying? And they're paying you, according to me, they're paying me sick. <laughs> and, um, and, like, I'm using that money to make my web series, and I'm wow. using that money to, like you know, see the world, like, I'm, it was just, oh, it was lit, and working with the best actors in the world, the writer, Darren Litton, is just an, a Don who, who also appreciated that I was a writer and would talk to me about, you know, creating shows, so, to, oh, I can't rave enough about that, that's, that experience was lit. That's beautiful. Yeah. That is so good. I, I think it's very important as well that people understand that there's different, stages in a in a career especially in terms of finances because oh people might god. have thought on some girls he's made it he's blown he's rich oh my god absolutely not on some girls which is <laughs> was you know it paid me fairly and brilliantly yeah but remember i'm only working i shoot all my bits in a week so you right. get paid for about a week and a bit more uh rightly so yeah fair. rightly so but because it's a small part yeah so yeah, it doesn't relate. Whereas in Benidorm, I'm in pretty much every episode of the series as I was in. So you're earning loads more. Yeah. But it's equivalent, you know, because then we're talking to Hollywood movie stars who are yep. a million pounds a week. So, yep. like, you know, it, it is fascinating how money works in a career. And like Jay-Z said, more money, more problems. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the tax man. Oh, my dear. He's like, oh, hey, Nathan. Good to meet you. Oh, my God. <laughs> Welcome. And when you have broke friends who tell you about the tax man, they're like, Google ain't paying tax. Starbucks ain't paying tax. And you're like, wait, wait. So I don't have to. But luckily. <laughs> don't listen to them, people. Don't listen to them. Pay your damn tax. But um, <laughs> but I learned all those lessons and I learned a hard way for sure. Wow. But once you uh, get up to date and you get an accountant and you do everything properly, then, you know, it's fine. But just make sure from the jump you're always paying your tax kids oh that's good advice <laughs> definitely <laughs> lauren hill everybody got it <laughs> oh my god lauren knows hey, everybody knows pay your tax she really does knows you touched on a really good point about everything being very london centric mm. and you know uh benadorm is a great example of how it's 
shown you in a different light, you know, as as an actor of colour and, you know, being mindful of, you know, not just being the black boy from from West. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, in Benedum, you've got to be a completely different, different, I guess, stereotype, mm-hmm. which the UK, unfortunately, is very, very used to seeing black boys mm. as um so are you mindful of the types of roles that you've always associated or was you have you ever been has it ever crossed your mind like oh actually i want to make sure that i don't do something that's a total you know opposite of what i am or doesn't represent my morals in that sense no, yeah i think i mean i think fundamentally when it comes to some of the do you know I'm not even going to say that. I'm going to say that I believe you get the roles that you get and they're meant for you. And, you know, uh, I'm not even going to lie. Like, I'm not even going to chat shit and say, I turned down loads of roles. I don't. (laughs) 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 I can probably count the roles I've turned down on one, two fingers. Um, So I, I think, yeah, look, if a role doesn't speak to you, it doesn't speak to you. I've been really lucky, really, really lucky when it comes to acting to um roles have come to me and i've the roles that i've won have been the right ones and i've brought myself to them and stereotypes i've been very lucky to avoid any i believe a negative and had a really good time playing the ones that i have i guess like in benedorm like i was a young black man who goes on a lad's holiday yeah. and that is the life i was living like when i was you know 18 i was going malia i was doing all those things and <laughs> then i was on a mainstream itv show doing those things so yeah it was lit yeah that's good that's good I, and i think as well you know we we do get really like bogged down on like i think as as black creatives as well i feel like there's a 50 50 split it's like oh i really want to represent for the culture at the same time, I want everyone to 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 see me as just a normal person. It's like, mm. oh, we're really we're really putting pressure on ourselves. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think that's. I, I mean, look, everyone has to do what they feel they need to do and talk and represent what they feel they need to do. But represent I think yourself, represent you, and and I understand we all love the culture and we love this industry and we love seeing our stories being told. And we should really be careful how we tell our stories. Yes. And, thoughtful and kind and giving and support each other telling different stories even if they don't represent our culture and even if you don't like something i think you can still be supportive I th- yeah you know I, yeah. I i think all of that but um no fundamentally i think as an artist you have to create art that you personally love and not worry too much about what other people think because they'll tell you anyway but <laughs> yeah. you just have to be positive and create an art and create art with love and then I think it will do what it needs to do. That's really positive. I like that. Well, I mean, I feel like you're quite unapologetic about the industry a lot of the time. Like, you know, I've heard you on other podcasts where you've very, been very open about rejection in the creative <laughs> industry. And it's kind of made me feel like you, you've you seen so many different sides of the industry as well, from from different broadcasters to being involved which we're going to talk a little bit more about in the production of shows um but you know for anyone that was a new creative and wanted to get in and they're really really getting bogged down by the nose Mm. what would you say to them as words of encouragement simple as this create your own shit it is fundamental it is life you 
it's the most exciting thing in the world, right? There's nothing more exciting as an artist to create in your own work. Mm -hmm. It is yours. It is yours in how you develop it. It's yours in how you edit it. It's yours in how you share it. It is yours and there's no holds bars. So even when it feels like nobody's watching or listening or giving a fuck, like create your work this is your freest it's ever going to be because i know we all want to be in hollywood remember <laughs> when you're taking other people other people's money to create your work it becomes stressful yeah people start telling you what you can and can't do there's lots of rules and regulations and egos and not egos like and whilst it's amazing to create work in the mainstream and it's my dream and i feel so lucky and honored some of the best times i've ever had as a creative is making my own work I love that. It's the best, like, and I and even though I might be making shows with Sky or we've made our my first feature film and these sort of things, do you not like at the end of April I'm going back to create a web series? Jeez, because it's like well, I love doing that. Yeah, and yeah, great if that web series can go to a TV show, that'd be great. But I love making work, and like, I went, I was in Oslo with my girlfriend, and we went to an art gallery, and I was watching a sick art film, and I was like. I'm going to create an art film. I don't care. Like, it doesn't matter if someone watches it and goes, oh, this is the most boring thing or this is whatever. Like, who cares? Like, let me try and create this. Like, we, as a young creative, make work, man, and yeah. shout about your work and be proud of it and don't give a fuck what anybody thinks because if you are an artist, you create art. Fact, that is it. That's what you do. Don't worry about how many views it gets. That is irrelevant. Do not worry about people who tweet, retweet it. Like, don't worry. Create your art create it have fun enjoy it don't worry about budgets don't worry about not knowing how to use equipment like use your phone and just spit a monologue into your phone and then just upload it onto soundcloud or if you've got no money just create like a, a tiktok monologue series or like just make work that is it and oh just gets me excited even talking about Oh my about gosh. <laughs> Nathan's got a whole sermon going on Honestly, today. Honestly, you don't even... I could go on. <laughs> I was seriously... No, I love that so much because your passion is what people need to hear because so many people get scared about the numbers, the views. Oh, no one's retweeting it. Who cares? Who cares? Yeah. You, don't, you don't create art. Okay, we create art to share what we're trying to say. Yeah. And that's true. Of course, I love making a show for Sky. Because I know it goes to millions of people and it goes to Hulu in America. And that's my dream. That's my dreams coming true. Yeah. But I also create other stories that might not be as commercial or might need a bit more time to develop to get there. Mm -hmm. And let's do all of it. Let's do all of that. Let's share. Let, like, just give yourself time to create and not put pressure on it. Like, have fun. Definitely, definitely. That's so empowering, man. I love it. I love it, Nathan. Thank you. Honestly. <laughs> well, as you've mentioned, as well as being on the screen, you've played such an important role behind the scenes as a creator. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more about that. You've, you've dropped all the big names that you know you, we all know you're working with. Um, but we're going to talk a little bit more about that. But first, when did you pick up the pen and start writing? How did that happen? I started writing. I remember the exact exact moment it was secondary school we had a, uh, a gcse drama which i failed rolls eyes did you really yeah yeah rude <laughs> but it was because um it was like a it was something dickhead it was like a a drama dickhead writing course but it wasn't a writing course it was a drama practical course when most of the results were based on a on your written the coursework 
Of course we are. I remember that. What do you mean? I'm a performer. I'm like, this is some dickhead thing. So I failed drama. But anyway, I'm still eating now. So it's good. Yeah, it's fine. Um, But yeah, I had a a piece of homework, which was to create a poem about, I don't know, about something, about how I was feeling or something like that. And I went home, wrote this poem. I was like, what? Writing is just chatting shit and putting words on a page. And I feel really good afterwards. And that's when I started. And I'm still chatting shit to this day. (laughs) (laughs) What a beautiful moment. (laughs) No, that's sick. That's so sick. It's as simple as that. You were like, oh. From that moment, I've never stopped writing. Wow. Did you ever learn, like, was there a a learning process of how to write or? I went to, like like I said, I went to different lessons at, like, the lyric. These were after school, like, these are, like, Again, this isn't like professional training. I didn't go to university. I didn't do any of that. It was just literally like after school clubs about, and these clubs literally were like £12 for, I don't know, 10 weeks or something. So big up the lyric for them ones. And I literally just tried this. Uh, At the end of the 10 weeks, you'd try and finish writing a play or you'd try and do that. So yeah, like I definitely learned in a like an unofficial way. But, you know, I went on to write sitcom. I didn't have no teaching in that. Or I went on to write a film with my friend and nobody teaches you how to do that. So it's kind of like once you start, you just got to dip your toe in and fail yeah. loads and try. That's sick, man. I mean, you've you've had such an incredible, incredible career as a writer as well and creator of shows. Um, I'll never forget how gassed I was, but also how gassed you was when you told us all that you were going to be writing for CBB's uh, Rasta Mouse. Yeah, Rasta Mouse was my first professional uh writing credit yeah and i was buzzing yep. and it's still something i'm proud of and i think one of my episodes got nominated for an uh, some award Jeez. some of those awards um and it was incredible i remember because i tried to sell this company that made rasta mouse well i did sell the company that made rasta mouse one of my tv ideas and the producer greg boardman big up him because he changed my life wow. and also changed how i saw the audience gave helped me give me a voice and um i remember this meeting really well he was like would you like to write some episodes of rasta mouse i was like what do you mean and he was like yeah i'll pay you to write two episodes i remember these times i'm broke fire broke like oh my god and he's commissioned me to write them i've never written any tv and I what? say to him, no, I've never written anything. I'd literally just written these little poems and little 10-minute oh plays. Oh, my goodness. And he gave me this opportunity and changed my life. Then he got me in with CBBS, and he got us, uh, honestly, he really changed, like, Mawan Rizwan and Kara Smith, and he got us all in a um, room with an exec at CBBS and was like, these are the guys that need to be writing your shows. If you want diverse writers, they're in this room. At the end of this meeting we had, we were all on shows at CBB. Oh my god! Done. Gosh. Simple. So when people talk about diversity, blah, 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 it can be done that simply. That's so true. Pay people, employ them, change their lives. Oh my gosh. The end. Because <laughs> these are like, the shows you've done, you're now BAFTA award winning. No, like, I'm nominated. No, I'm not even nominated. I've worked on shows that are. Okay, all right, okay, okay. Yeah. Let me rephrase because you don't want to. Okay. No, just in case you were like, he ain't nothing. <laughs> Look at him being humble. No, but no. the shows you've worked with have been yeah. BAFTA award winning, BAFTA award nominated, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, you know, they're huge, huge, impactful shows for young people. Yeah. Um. So, you know, did you have to dive into a new world for children yeah uh, <laughs> i think 
I think you just make sure that fun is at the center, you know, like we're all big kids. I'm definitely a big kid. So, Agreed. Me too. Um, yeah, do you know what I mean? So like, you just think fun. And I think the shows I've worked on, uh, especially Apple Tree House, which was BAFTA nominated and all those things. Um, it was an amazing show again with that producer, Greg, which we want, we as a writer's room wanted to change the world. Like wow. we wanted our show, this show on CBBS to be, to tell the most, di and kids TV is some of the most diverse TV in the world, full stop. Yeah, that's we true. tell stories that go big and beyond. It doesn't get enough credit for that. And um, that, what my time, and I still obviously write kids stories. Um, I love, I love, I love, I love, I love. So I don't have to do anything different. The stories have to be just as good. Um, but you just have to delve into a, a childlike fun, which I really enjoy going to. Well, you have completely smashed that, um, especially as you have secured a three picture book deal with Penguin Random House, mm -hmm. which has brought, I have these books. I don't even have kids and I have these books at <laughs> home because I'm like, this is so cool. And I can't wait for my children to see these books, my future children to see these books, uh, like look up, clean up, rocket rules. Like, it's just so good to see you bringing diversity into the children's literature world because I've, you know, I've heard you've been very passionate about how important it is mm -hmm. um but also just the fact that you've particularly got a good way of words for young people mm -hmm. so again like why do you think these people like the the what are the what's the publishers yeah, yeah. that's the word publishers what do you think they saw in you with that i think um I have no idea, to be honest, because I never... <laughs> there must be something. No, no, but I never intended to be an author. That was never, like... It right. was never in the day one plan. I Luckily, I had an agent who... I pitched the Rocket look, Rocket's Look Up to an animation company. Okay. At, to, at first. I, I wrote it down because my girlfriend was working at a company. And I wrote it down, and I was like... They, they were talking about making short films. Right. This company. And this company, I'm like, oh, my God, they're, they're incredible. Uh, wouldn't it be sick if they would just read the story? And I wrote it and they rejected it. And I was like, oh. And then my agent was like, this would make a great kids book. And I was like, well, I don't write kids books. So why are you telling me the story? <laughs> uh, and then I got a tax bill through and I didn't have the money for that. So I was like, let me learn how to write kids books real no, quick. You're lying. Quick. <laughs> so I went to Waterstones with my remaining coin and I bought loads of picture books. And oh. I read them and I studied them and I nerded out and I wrote the first draft of this picture book. So I think when the publisher saw it, like I think Dapo, the illustrator, who yes. now is probably one of the biggest illustrators in our in the country, maybe in the world actually, for yeah. real. Um, his drawings are vivid. They jump off the page. They paint worlds and they show black people in the most beautiful, fun, smiling, creative light. And me and him have known each other for 10 years. We collaborated. And um, I think publishers just saw something, a, a seed of something really excited. And Penguin just backed us and you know i'm doing two more books with them so now it's a five book deal god damn it <laughs> and, um, and it's been amazing so yeah man i don't know like they're just very good people and i'm very lucky wow so would you say that your your agents and just like having good contacts at these companies can really really help yeah i mean sense? i think the book deal would not have happened without my writing agent full stop because i would never have thought that, that was a possibility so i think for anyone listening I think if you, let's say, don't have an agent figure like that in your life, I think when you're thinking of your stories, think of them 
uh, don't block them into a format. So if you've got a story, don't be like, that has to be a movie. What if it's a play? What if yeah. it's this? So always think of your stories as like entities that could exist in any format because let's be real, we all need to eat. So if if Hollywood's not going to buy your £200 million movie, but maybe the theatre will, or maybe yeah. VR will, or maybe the radio will, or maybe... So you have to work out where you can sell it to get the next step on the ladder, you know? That's really interesting because I don't know nothing about, you know, I know TV agents, radio agents, but writing agents, is mm. that something, w at what point would you get a writing agent? Would you already have a story or can you seek them before you've published I or released anything? I think like obviously to be a writer, you need to write. So I would seek representation when you feel that you've written stuff that you want to share on the mainstream. Hey. <laughs> uh, so I think you can either seek them or they can come and seek you but fundamentally it comes back down to what I was saying earlier about creation first yeah create work to sell and to stories to tell and people will find you to help you do that Beautifully said, beautifully said. Well, you're not just writing for the kids. you got something for the olders as well. Um, <laughs> I've got to say huge congratulations to you and Samson Kyle, another yes. good friend of mine, on Bloods. Yes. yes. Sky have absolutely loved you guys and yeah. supported you guys with Bloods. And it, not only Sky, uh, you nominated for Best Scripted Comedy at the RTS Awards. Yes. Series 2 is yes. is rolling out as we speak. So um, how did that happen? That it, Let me say, Bloods is the one of the if not the proudest thing I've done so far in my life. It wow. was a dream of mine to uh, co-create a sitcom, to even have a sitcom. So to even, like, remember, I came from making web series, YouTube yep. sketches, to making a multi-million pound sitcom on Sky. Like, like, Tell you know them I mean? the numbers, like, it Nathan. Is like, it is, a, it is a, something I could never... I did dream of it, so it's important that you dream of it, Um so yeah but uh it was amazing so basically um i made a web series called reality uh about the young black british experience which was on youtube and um a producer called seb barwell who's um, just a complete don of dons uh watched it and um he bought uh the rights to create my web series into a tv show and um, we didn't get that off the ground but i was kind of in the company which is rough cut who are the biggest yep. uh, comedy production company in London, maybe another big one in the world. And um, they basically were just keeping, just chatting, chatting, chatting. And he came to me and he was like, oh, Sky want to make a, a, sh a comedy short with Samson K.O. Yeah. And Samson had this brilliant idea for a character called Malik who wanted... Uh, which is based on his true life. He even wanted to be a paramedic or a getaway driver when he was growing up. That is so something. Exactly, do you know what I'm saying? So <laughs> Seb gave me this pitch of this character and immediately I was like, this sounds sick. Yeah. So um, I jumped on board this 10 minute short and um, Samson and I worked together with the incredible Tom Marshall director and Seb. And we created this short, which Jane Horrocks joined on and we built this you know, paramedic world and that was my first time at making like an adult comedy piece uh, for a production company that got made. Like we filmed in Pinewood Studios. When Ooh. we were filming, we saw Angelina Jolie just drive by as You're Maleficent. Lying. The, like, You're was, lying. Yeah, just drove by on a little buggy. <laughs> I would have lost my I, whole... Do you know what I mean? It was everything. surreal. It was like my first time not film, like first time filming something in that space 
which I meant I didn't have to like give pizzas to everyone at lunchtime. Do you know what I mean? Oh, it was like you. it was like a dream coming true. So anyway, yeah. we did that ten minutes short. Sam and I loved it. Sam's brilliant. Jane's brilliant, and we screen it. Um, at some place in Soho and people love it wow. and Sky commissioned me to write a pilot because Sam's obviously doing major major Bits. things yeah. yeah so I'm touching base with him and that's the first 30 minutes I've ever been paid to write because writing uh, you often when you're starting people pay you to write in smaller chunks oh. obviously, so like kids telly you generally write about 10 15 minutes because the episodes are shorter yeah. whereas at, at adult telly you're writing half hour half hours you're sort of you know goals so right. that was my first half hour i've been paid to write and that was like and i thought i was like oh my god cool i've got this um but i went on the learning train of a lifetime i'm I serious yeah man because i think when you're making your own stuff on youtube and it, like when you're making your own stuff you have your own kind of working process yeah but when you start uh, working with other people's money and the other people's process, ah. you learn about the different ways they do it. So, and also, it's a brilliant way. Like, so for you know, the Bloods pilot, I think there could have been about a hundred drafts, maybe more. And serious? also, it was a thing of like, remember, it's my first thirty minutes. So, I remember one of the first drafts I brought into Seb, the producer, was like fifty pages. Cause I, I I was I don't know I was just vomiting the shit so, out. So what what should it be? I'm I'm, oh, I'm so clueless. So really, like for a, a half hour, it should be about when you shoot it, it ends up about twenty four pages. Oh, but I didn't know. You I wrote was, a movie. So, yeah, I wrote a movie and just slapped on his desk and was like, shoot it. Uh, <laughs> and he very politely and I really again, he's another one of those people in my career I want to flag uh, to be like. He was very kindly was like, okay, you've got something, you've got a way with dialogue, he said to me. And he was like, um, this is how sitcom works. And he took me through the exact beats and he took me through the process of writing and I, I gave it my everything. And then he also really kindly uh, brought on another writer to support me oh. uh, called Paul Doolan, who was like one of the greatest sitcom writers, full stop, full stop, kindest, funniest people. And Paul really helped me develop the show and open up the world and yeah man we got the script into sky and we didn't hear anything as those things go yeah. i forgot about it and was just like next 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 and then one day they were like yes i want to make this into a tv series That's crazy. and my mind completely blew and my life changed and i'm still i'm you know i've been in the writer's room today working on series three so it's been like ah! yeah like oh it's, my God. it's been incredible Wow. What what is that wait like? How how long was that wait when you didn't hear from them? To be honest, I don't know about I'm you're very like this, you're very productive. So I try like yeah, those waits can be painful, but I tried to completely forget about them and right. get busy with other stuff. Yeah. I just try to forget I'm like, oh, it's never gonna happen anyway. So it doesn't matter. I'll go and make this web series, I'll go and do this. So <laughs> and yeah, I will occasionally chase a producer, be like, I did email Seb being like, Seb, like, what's the deal? And he'd occasionally be like, Yeah, it's looking good, but that's it. Oh, and then suddenly it went from looking good to boom. Yeah, we get, we got it. Yeah, but like, again, like I think, I, I'm sure everyone who's made TV will say this, but like when we got the green light, I didn't know what happened next. Because I remember I just oh, written this one okay. episode with Paul and I was learning the process. So it was just like, it's still to this day a complete learning experience, man. It's crazy. Wow. Is it, what, but more specifically, was it like a month, two, six Oh, a year? to write the first one? or like, to, No, before they greenlit it. Oh, I reckon it was someone... Oh, the whole process of getting this show made was quick. 
I think oh. it was quick compared to how long these things are normally. You can hear someone make has been working on a TV show for seven years and gets it made. What? Yeah. It, when I say TV is slow, movies are slow. What? So for our show, we got it made in from start to the f- production, maybe two years. What? And that, and that is that sounds long. That is quick. What? Maybe nah, two and a half my tops. Mind. If I'm lying, I'm dying. You're actually blowing my because that for me. So was it a secret for two years? I was telling everyone. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> was it supposed to be a secret? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But like, anybody I was talking to, I was telling them exactly what I was doing, who I'm doing it with, and when. <laughs> because also, so because funny. I'm not from like I don't. It's not like I know like industry people who give a damn. Like do you know what I mean, everyone I spoke to was like, okay, cool. Whatever. The postman. Yeah. By the way, I got a show coming. Well, I was telling guy. everyone, and that's fine. <laughs> like you know, I don't. I don't worry about that. It didn't leak. Fair enough. Yeah. No one cared enough to leak it. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> no, I can't believe how long it takes to actually make it. And yeah, man, it's 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 so long, and it feels like, and the pain of making your first TV show feels like, it's just you feel like you're not good enough. You feel like you can't do this. You yeah. feel like you're not meant to be doing this. But you know, with a great team around you and people like Paul and Seb and Roughcut who support you. Oh my God, you get there in the end, That's and you amazing. learn loads. So it's it's uh, the best experience craziest whirlwind of my life i think it's really important that you've kind of made that that uh often i guess misconception that because it's your show you're in charge and it's just you absolutely not (laughs) 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 because i feel like yeah oh my show my rules but then obviously like you said you're dealing with other people's money yeah lots of it yeah Yeah. lots of it the 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 zeros are changing like you know the the you're allowed to do different things with this money. Like, you can get stuntmen if you want. We had a helicopter. Bloody hell. <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean? for real, you really did. Yeah, we had a helicopter. So I, I think, yeah, man. And also, I'm still learning my craft. So right. it would be mad for me to be like, uh, you know, like, I developed this show with a team of people. Like, it, yeah, I, I co-created it with Sam and Roughcart. And, like, yeah, it's a collaboration. So, yeah, I... It's a complete learning sort of thing. So in comparison, because I met you, I think it was probably like 2014, 15. And it was around the time when you was doing your own events. Mm -hmm. You had your own production company, Beanheads Mm. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And you was doing loads of stuff at the BFI. I think I interviewed you at the BFI as well. Um, So in comparison to that part of your filmmaking creative journey to now, are there any major keys that you feel like you've learned about the industry? Yeah, I would say allow yourself to... It sounds dumb. It sound, maybe maybe I haven't worked out exactly what I'm trying to say. But, like, learning, uh, learning and failing is really hard. Mm. So, like, when I was making Bloods and still when I made Bloods, even making Series 2 of Bloods, working on Series 3 of Bloods, I don't know about everyone listening and yourself, but, like, I hate... Uh, failing I just want to be good straight away I want to be the best straight away I get jealous of people who are just like incredible and that's just not who I am as a creative I am like failed 10 times and I'm going to make something great Yeah. so I would say one of the biggest things I learned with Blood specifically was um, and I'm very lucky because I had a very good team who wanted to teach me uh, was allow yourself to be taught 
Yeah. Be humble enough to be humbled. <laughs> yeah. And I was yeah. forever humbled. Um, but in a nice way. And I just allowed myself to fail, but I never stopped trying. So one thing with me is that, yeah, I will fail and I will need to do a lot of extra work on it because I'm not like some natural creative genius. I'm I'm like a fail, fail, fail. Oh, that's good. Fail, fail, <laughs> fail. Oh, that's okay. Fail. Like I fail a lot and then I get something good. Yeah. So I just allow myself to uh, go through that process and trust that it will get there. So basically that's my biggest one, just don't give up at the first sign of failure. You're, you might be really good straight away, but I wasn't. <laughs> Fair. No, that's really honest. And I again, I respect you for your honesty in saying that actually I needed to I needed to go through that bad time to get to the good time. Listen, and the bad time was great, you know, like but like series two was hard i i thought after series one bow i was gonna write the scripts but it wasn't like that it was really really difficult and i yeah. thought oh man can i do this is this even for me what no way oh, of course man i think that's the creative journey isn't it like you really struggle to do things and then you question should i be doing them and then you go oh my god this is what i'm gonna do it's a it's a journey so yeah. just don't give up and i what i will the thing is with me i will never ever ever give up this that's is what good. i'm gonna do that's amazing. That's so good to hear. Well, I mean, you've been dropping absolute gems already, but we have a specific tradition here at the mainstream for you, Nathan, to give us top five tips to make it in the mainstream. Mm -hmm. So what have you got for us today? I would say top tip number one is to enjoy failing. Enjoy when things go wrong. Enjoy the rejection. Enjoy uh all of that enjoy the bad times because so they can feel like oh this is awful but remember when you're in hollywood and you're partying with your daniel kaluuya's and your lashana lynch you'll remember this i had to go through all of this to yeah. get there so remember the failing is what will make you a great artist so that's the major one for me um i would say number two i would say just create non-stop so do not stop creating. Always be thinking about creating different things. Create things outside of your box. So if you are you want to write Hollywood movies, think about writing a podcast series. If you want to do like comic books, think about getting your comic books into films. Like just create in this flipping world of creation. Try everything. Uh, number three, um, I would say, oh yeah, number three is just be nice. Like, mm. Oh, that's listen, real. Be nice. Like you're going to meet so many different people and you just want to be kind. Like be kind, be nice to people. Uh, number four, is it number four? Yeah. Number four, watch and absorb all art. So like, yeah, me, I love reality TV. That's what I watch when I get home. <laughs> but... I make sure I watch uh, foreign language films. I go to art galleries. I listen to genres of music that, like, every day I listen to drill, trap, rhyme. rhyme. <laughs> drill, <laughs> trap, rap, grime. That's what I listen to to get up. But then I'll also make sure I go and listen to some French bangers. And I'll go listen to some opera music. Because when you're creating, you, what if I hear an opera tune that I can put in my film? So yeah. basically, absorb all art. Even art. Go to the opera. Go to the ballet. Go, to, go and see everything. This world is art. Absorb it all. And then number five. Oh, be audacious. Ooh, good so, word. So that audacious is a word that I'm going to one day get tattooed on me because I live by it every day. Or I, I strive to live by it every day, which... Audacious means um, 
too. I actually don't know what the dictionary. Isn't definition. it like having the audacity, the 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 being forward? Yeah, being, being forward and chasing your dreams. So like, let nobody be able to tell you, oh, you're thinking too big there, or oh, maybe you take one step at a time, or or. I always say this, but it's like one of my favorite sayings. When people are like, oh, Nathan, you know, you can be a jack of all trades, but a master of none. Listen, yeah, the full saying of that is jack of all trades, master of none, but it's better than being a master of one. That is the full saying. Google that right now. So if anybody's ever said that to you, the full saying on Google is that people just tell you half the saying. What? Yeah. I have never known that, yeah, you know. If you Google that right now, that is the full saying. Imagine that. All these people chatting shit all these years about <laughs> your job, jack of all trades, master of none. The full saying explains what our full capability is. So wow. yeah, be audacious because you have to have dreams that are bigger than any... Like, listen, I'm like when I think of my dreams, I'm like, I want to own my own... like movie studio in america i yep. want to i want to have a flipping production company empire like i have to have those audacious thoughts otherwise i will never achieve anything close so Love be it. audacious at every stage in your career Love that. Oh, yes. Please get the tattoo. That would be so sick. It's going to hurt. I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Nathan, this is so, so good. You've really, really given such a different perspective into being a creator because I feel like we've had a lot of like you know broadcasters we've had actors but the fact that you've got the writing and that you've gone all the way as getting things commissioned like that's a beautiful beautiful thing and by the sounds of it you got you know I'm not going to say it's by coincidence or by accident they've been very intentional moves because you like you said you was audacious yeah you had the that you dared to think a little bit bigger and challenge yourself so that's really really inspiring like just letting everyone know please don't be afraid to try something new this could be your calling yeah you never know you have to try you have to try things and just I know I've said that a billion times but just do not be scared of failing yeah it is the best thing definitely best. so Nathan we have loved having you on the mainstream. We love knowing about what you've already done, but what can we look forward to? So, um, if you have not already, watch Blood Series 2 and Series 1. It's on Now TV and Sky Comedy, and it's on Hulu. And for them people in Australia, it's on one of them channels over there as well. Um, and watch Little Darlings, with um, which I adapted with uh, from Jacqueline Wilson. Oh my gosh, yes! With Lamar and Jamelia and Rufus Jones. I jacked did that with Johnny Lee Wright. So watch that on Now TV and Sky Kids. Yes. Um, I've got my new book, Speak Up, with Dapo Adiola, which is the third in the series of, of Rocket's Adventures, and that's out in September. And then I've got my debut feature film, Rye Lane, which I wrote with my friend Tom Melia, and it's directed by Rain Allen Miller. And it is a black love story Ooh, set in yes. Peckham. It is gorgeous. And I don't have an official release date that for that yet, but it's out in 2022 and it'll be in the cinemas and uh, on Disney+. Plus. So, <gasps> no, 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 Nathan. You can't just be dropping yeah. feature film, <laughs> Disney Plus, all that. Oh, like, literally, there's, there's so much that you're doing. I couldn't even fit in on the show. Oh, well, it's been a joy. Thank you for having me on the show. Thank you so much. Let everyone know how they can follow you, how they can keep up to date and support all of these incredible ventures that you're on. Yeah, just uh, Twitter at Nathan Bryan and Instagram at Nathan Bryan. And yeah, man, just please just yeah, support my work if you like it. And if you don't, just lie. I don't, <laughs> I don't need 
the truth. <laughs> what I love is that you have something for everyone. Literally, love film, uh, children's book, children's TV, uh, comedy. Like, literally, you've got us covered. I hope so. <laughs> I love that. You've got us covered. Thank you so much, Nathan Brian, for being on The Mainstream. Thank you for having me. Woo! Thank you for listening to The Mainstream Podcast with me, Ramel London. Please rate, follow and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And follow us at The Mainstream UK and at Ramel underscore London on Twitter and Instagram. 